0: Hey, witch, hey! This is our review for the sixth episode of American Horror Story Coven, titled The Axe Man Cometh. Thanks for downloading it. This episode had some killer jazz in it, or I guess life saving jazz. Don't forget, you can find us on iTunes and Facebook. Facebook.com slash this American Horror Story podcast. Here we go. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast of the FX hit show American Horror Story. I am your host Tyler Moss here with my host from another mother, Chris Houston. Woo! What's um, going on, buddy? Not much. Fiona gonna go get her some ax do and apparently so. Gross. Looks like it. <laughs> it does look like it. They're setting up for that. Oh man, good episode. What are you drinking this evening? Uh, I got a glass of wine tonight. Um, what do, What do you got? <laughs> uh, well, I wish I had absinthe to be drinking because that would be more appropriate. <laughs> but instead, I am drinking a imperial IPA out of a snifter slash goblet cup. So I feel nice, pretty fancy. It yeah. seems like something a witch would drink out of. So totes. Um, have you had absinthe before? I have not had absinthe I've heard it's pretty good though But it's a little bit messy what, Have you had it before? I have um, When I was living in Copenhagen For um, a while It was accessible there Because it was legal there mm-hmm. So we'd do it You'd take it you'd, you'd put some sugar in the spoon And then you'd put some absinthe in it And you'd light it on fire and... Did you do talk to that? any spirits When you were drinking? I thought I was, probably. <laughs> so that's a good question. Is Did they just dream up all that stuff, or was there really an Axeman? I think there was really an Man because I'm pretty sure Cordelia was not on Absinthe, but right that's up for discussion. Maybe she's just chipping off her chemo drugs. That's true. She was popping pills right before she saw him. Let's, let's get a hit of that. Absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, before we get going here, of course, we want to... Uh, Thank you for all your incoming comments and questions on Facebook and email. Um, of course, that's Facebook.com/slash This American Horror Story the that, uh, podcast. That's Gmail or uh, This American Horror Story at Gmail.com, or hit us up on iTunes. We really appreciate all that stuff. And we want to talk about a couple of the great kind of theories and comments we had on the last episode uh, before we get going. So I think Chris, you had a correction you wanted to discuss real quick. Yeah, I'm pretty embarrassed about this one. Me too. And- me too. Yeah, yeah, I know you are too. I think you even texted me how embarrassed we were about this one. But thank you to Lino and to Chelsea for calling us out and correcting us. And I'm sure a lot of you also caught this, that we didn't catch the Evil Dead reference um, with the whole chainsaw uh, Zoe Chainsaw situation. No, I'm so embarrassed that it was my inclination to go with Texas Chainsaw Massacre before Evil Dead, because I love the Evil Dead movies too. I, I mean, it is both. We just forgot the other obvious one i mm-hmm. mean sh- the way she's like wheeling it around like that that is exactly what leatherface does at the end of the original tcm but it is also come on it, with the blood on the face that's so bruce campbell mm-hmm. oh yeah absolutely so really embarrassed we missed that reference thank god for you guys mm-hmm. we also had a couple uh interesting emails come with theories we wanted to share thanks to heidi for this um theory that she wanted to share about cordelia's power um she noticed a parallel between cordelia's new kind of clairvoyant power and stephen king's novel the dead zone in which uh they also made a movie of it in which johnny played by christopher walken in the film adaptation walks uh awakes after a long coma to discover when he holds another person's hand he can see their future of course she says with cordelia it would be the opposite when she holds another character's hand she sees the past I think that's an interesting parallel because it does seem obviously we're playing homage to all these different classic horror films. So I I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of where they got the idea for this. For sure. For sure. Um, Shout out to Cassie here for uh, letting us know, as a few people did, that Zoe, when she gave her little uh, command to the the last zombie to chill out, uh, she says, be in your nature. Mm. She does say be in your nature. Um any meaning you draw from that statement? Be dead, dude. Drop dead cuz you're dead. Uh-huh. Return right. to the earth. Return to the earth, man. Absolutely. Uh the the only other thing I the other Facebook, I mean we got a bunch of these. I'm just picking a few right now. Uh Jennifer uh gave us a list of a few things. Uh, but one of them she she mentions that uh every time Kyle shows up to rescue Zoe, uh, he's like the Hulk, and I was totally thinking that this episode when he's banging around naked in Misty's place that I'm just thinking Hulk Smash, Kyle Smash, and she calls it Kyle Smash, and it is Kyle Smash. Oh, I hate Kyle. <laughs> Let's just be honest. <laughs> he, I he is the worst character Kyle. right now. <laughs> he is terrible right now. Let's hope that improves. And we have one more that I want to share from email. It's from our friend Josh. He says that, um don't you think the obvious reason for Cordelia being able to see a person's past doings is those so that she will be able to see the evil things Fiona has done? And obviously this was a pretty genius insight because I think in kind of the preview for next episode we do see that this is how roundabout she comes across what Fiona did. I think she actually touches Madison. But um, this is coming up, so that was a great insight. And with that, um, thank you again for all those comments. We do love when you send in those theories, and we're happy to share them and discuss them on here. But let's go ahead and begin this episode, which, oh, shoot, I don't know if I caught a title for this one. The Axemen Cometh. The Axmen ax- Cometh. And our writer on this one is Douglas Petrie, or Petrie, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but he is one of the executive producers for American Horror Horror Story. And he's also uh, uh, been a longtime writer for a lot of shows, specifically one that I'm sure our fans, or at least our older fans uh, of the show, like myself, not like you, um, (laughs) may have grown up watching, which is Buffy, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. Uh and he also Joss did a few Weed episodes bit. of CSI, right, Joss Weed. And um uh and originally way back in the day he wrote an episode of Clarissa Explains It All. Isn't that great? <laughs> awesome. I watched then, Clarissa. Of course. And our director is uh again Michael Uppendahl, who uh he directed one of the zombie uh I forget I think it was the part one or not it wasn't part one, but it was when the zombies first showed up because he was also directed an episode of Walking Dead uh, and Mad Men, and he's also done Glee, which I'm assuming is his connection to uh, Falchek right. and Murphy. Exactly. But anyway, th- those are th- those are our people of uh, um, our behind the scenes people. This episode, right? Um, I would also like to. Oh, I would. I just wanted to say that I think um, there was definitely, especially like with the w- opening like scene between the witches and stuff. I don't know about you, but I felt like there was a little bit of a Buffy. Feel going on with certain parts of this episode, so it does not surprise me that that parallel was drawn but um okay, without further ado, we jump into the episode the X Man cometh, of course, we start back in New Orleans in nineteen nineteen on a typewriter um we have basically a serial killer, uh kind of a Jack the Ripper type, basically is what it seemed to me kind of right this sort of character like New Orleans version of Jack the Ripper kind of, which this guy. Uh, is uh, an actual historical figure. I looked this up. Oh, he, the Axman is. Yeah, he's based. He was the Axeman of New Orleans back oh. in 1918 to 1919. Is when he was active in New Orleans. He was a serial killer, and this letter that they use um, in the that he's writing is an actual letter that he sent into a newspaper. Uh, no way while he was killing. Did yeah. he st- did he really tell them everyone to put on jazz music like that? He really told people to put on jazz. And apparently according to legend, uh that night all the jazz halls and dance halls were packed uh and people were booking uh bands to have parties in their homes and their extravagant mansions and everyone was uh dancing and listening to jazz music and according to legend no one died that night or no one was murdered that night. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. That's is a that real cool? thing. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. Um, and I absolutely love the scene too, when all the jazz bands are playing outside. Oh, it's amazing. Like, that. like, you know, all the different jazz music kind of clashing together, but at the same time, it sounds great I, it's beautiful yeah i love that music so oh it's such i mean and this is what we were talking about like the city of new orleans kind of becoming a character in the show right. this season and i think that it kind of came on you know it came into its own in this episode for sure through that um especially considering this guy's a real historical figure right. um i also want to mention that the Axman man was played by danny houston who is of course angelica houston's brother uh, son of the famous actor John Huston, his nephew Jack Huston is Richard on Boardwalk Empire. So I right. thought it was kind of funny that um, you know they're kind of playing characters in the same time period here, the same time period that is <laughs> crossover. His nephew's episode. playing, and yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe we'll have Richard's kind of creepy with half his face missing. Maybe. Well, I was gonna say maybe Spalding can wear half a mask now too. Some uh, Phantom of the Opera stuff. So oh, his now that we now that, we've, is, now that is, his, now his face that, is like ripped spatulated. open, spatulated. Yeah. Absolutely. And I thought Danny Houston did a great job here. Yeah, Um, he's great. Do you feel like we learned anything in here about um, the Axeman's motives before we talk about how he died? Well, uh, a few things that I took from this opening was, I mean, mean, because it's based on a historical thing, I initially thought, um, because I didn't know that, um, I initially thought that it was kind of a Passover type reference, which it may have been originally, historically, with the... Uh, biblically speaking, you know, during Passover and uh, during the plague, um, the, the, uh, people had to put like lamb's blood over their door. And if they had that on their door, then the, the angel or death or whatever, whoever would, um, pass over their house and not kill their firstborn son. So that's kind of, I, I thought that was interesting, but you know, who knows if that's what Axman actually was going for back in that day. Or pe- some, pe- some people argue that he just did it because he loved jazz music so much. Anyway, um, as far as his motives go about why he wanted to kill specifically women, it seemed, or just people in general and why he chose an axe, we don't really know. The only clues we get is in the letter that they read uh, or that he's reading uh, as a voiceover when we first meet him. Uh, and I I have a part of it that I'll I'll mention right now, and it's just the opening of it. Uh, And all he says is, uh, they have never caught me, and they never will. They have never seen me, for I am invisible, even as the ether that surrounds your earth. I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orlinians and your foolish police call the Axemen. So, actually, I wanted to, we have one of our, listeners is her name Stephanie. She's from New Orleans. I don't know if I'm pronouncing Orleanians correct. Is that right? Do you know? She'll, she'll let us know. <laughs> but anyway, so basically he seems he's calling himself a demon essentially. So outside of that, I don't really know what his motive is. Did you have an idea? I didn't have any idea of a motive other than that. That Yeah, he seems to think at least that he's some sort of supernatural being of some kind. As far as the axe goes, I think that they mentioned that, or at least the show hypothesizes that he was a saxophone jazz musician. That's and right. That, and that, you know, sax. saxophone is, uh, an axe is another word for a saxophone. So right. that's why he, I, they hypothesize it seems that he chooses the axe as his weapon of destruction. Right. So far, I think this guy's super po- only superpower is having a sick ass, uh, killer jazz uh, saxophone soundtrack that follows him wherever he goes. Oh, absolutely. That's That would be a badass superpower. Let's go ahead and say right now. Um, but so what happens with him, obviously, is that the young witches at the coven in 1919 decide that they are... It's the time of woman's suffrage, and we're yes, talking all no, about feminism, and women happening. here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, is... I mean, that's a theme all through last season and, of course, again through this season. Right. Um, they're going to stand up as women, and they're going to take this guy down. So, of course, they're blurring opera music out of the house instead of jazz music. And so he just walks right through the gate, which is, hmm, mysteriously open, and the front door is unlocked. You think he might be a little suspicious, but maybe he's so arrogant he doesn't think much of it, especially since it's a school he's walking into, a right. girl's school. When he walks in um, to the girl, I'm assuming is the... I wonder if that's the young uh, version of the so su- oh, Anna uh, sub- yeah. If that's the young version of the Supreme that Fiona kills, because that girl kind of seems to be the Supreme. Yeah, I didn't but, really notice her name. I didn't catch her name, but it could be. I mean, I, it seemed like she was kind of being the what Zoe is being right now for right kind of the young the modern version. Right. So they're doing. Um, she's doing ta- a tarot card reading on the floor. He kind of sneaks up behind her, and she pulls the death card. Boom. Boom. Blows up the candle, sneaks up behind him. They all stab him to death, which I, I thought was kind of funny is that they stab him. and They're all witches with superpowers. And, of course, instead of, yeah. you know, they just stab him with knives to death. Um, but I guess kind of appropriate since he kind of kills people with a blade in the way he kills people. It was pretty graphic, too. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty graphic. He had some but- Tarantino-style blood squirting out of that first stab wound. Oh, yeah, that was that was very Tarantino-esque. Good point. Um, okay, well, as we always do with the opening scene, um, thematically, how do you think this relates to the rest of this episode? Uh, I hate that I have to go first on this, because I was trying to think of this answer. I, I, I'm i not too sure. I, I think the theme for this whole, if if you can put a theme on this episode, which was kind of hard, because, again, we're all over the map on this one, which is the opposite of last uh, episode, Um I, I thought the theme was trapped. So mm-hmm. I, this was essentially a trap for the ax man, man. And he obviously in turn ends up being trapped in this house as a spirit or whatever he is. Uh, until the girls start communicating with him. Uh, and then we see other characters who are trapped. Cordelia be trapped. Cordelia. Physically and right like by right. her handicap. Mm-hmm. Fiona's trapped with her mortality and her... Well, her mo- mortality, yeah, yeah, the yeah, chemo- yeah. The the cancer, Hank is now trapped in a situation that we ha- I didn't see coming at all. That he, what what his storyline ended up being, but he's trapped by Marie Laveau essentially. Yeah, oh yeah. I'm uh, sorry, Kyle's kind of trapped by this memory of his mother still. Uh, anyway, but so trapped by whatever demons you have, I think is kind of the theme. And this just sets up um, even the, the what the demon that may trap other people uh, in his own world becomes trapped. I, I that that might be a stretch, but what do you think? You know, I almost I think like it that it too much. <laughs> no, I almost like that better than I than what I was going to say. I was a, not quite as in depth or as uh, sophisticated as your theory. I was going to say murder because obviously we have the man being a serial killer. He is then murdered, and then we have, you know, um Cordelia finding out what Fiona did, and we have Kyle remembering killing his mother and all that kind of stuff, and we've got. um of course, them finding out that Madison was killed and stuff like that. So I was going to say murder. But I think I like Trapped better because that... I, I mean, it's both, really. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think those... I mean, there can be a one one theme. So I, I definitely think murder works as well. Especially yeah. Especially with uh, some of our characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I think that kind of sets the tone in, the, in both senses. Um, so as we proceed here, I just want to explain to everybody how I kind of want to do this. I've kind of just... just um, as far as my notes go, I've outlined things in kind of a plot A and plot B. One plot is going to be kind of Zoe's story, and the other plot's going to kind of follow Fiona's story, which also kind of intertwines with Cordelia, of course, up until she's left and the Axeman still on her. So I want to go ahead and start with the Zoe storyline, and we'll return it. we'll kind of circle back to the Fiona storyline later, just so that way we don't have to jump back and forth and kind of get disjointed. Right. That works for me. Excellent. So um, Zoe is, of course, going through what I assumed to be Fiona's room, um, her bedroom at the beginning. Is that what you understood too? Uh, or, is this, or is this Madison's room? I thought it was Madison's room because she's going through Madison's bo- a box of her stuff. Was it Madison's stuff? Yeah, because she no. puts on her sunglasses and she pulls out a magazine that has Madison on the front cover. Oh, does it. she? I didn't see the yeah. magazine. Okay. I didn't see the magazine. I think I was looking down at that point. I saw the sunglasses and I was thinking for some reason Fiona. But that makes sense. So it must have been Madison's room and then she had the Ouija board in her closet then. Right. Right. It tra- in that weird like trap door. Right, in like a From weird compartment, door. which also interesting to say here that Zoe at one point mentions that the Ouija board was calling to her. There's a lot of kind of hints at Zoe having powers beyond what we have realized in this episode, I would say. Would yeah, I think that? it's yeah, it's becoming more and more clear that Zoe is probably for sure the next Supreme. I hate that I said that, probably for sure. That's not a thing. She is most likely the next Supreme. Mm-hmm. And they kind of keep hinting at it. I mean, we can keep pointing them out as we go along. But um, she's also, as aside from her powers, is kind of asserting herself as the supreme too, as far she as is. in her leadership role between Queenie and Nan. Yeah, and it, especially with kind of Cordelia out of commission at this point, and obviously Fiona dealing with her own demons. Right. No one's checking in on the kids. It seems it's kind of weird. <laughs> well, they weren't really even before. I feel like Cordelia got uh, Cordelia is the worst up. educator ever. <laughs> she's not going to be much better now, but I like her though. <laughs> I do too, um, but I really like the scene. I mean, uh, the scene where they do use the Ouija board, they drink the absinthe, and of course they flip over the. Yo, my question glass. to you: Why? Why was this? What? I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a good drinking game, but what, when did Ouija board become a drinking game too? <laughs> I, I was wondering that too, um we should look that up, or maybe someone can fill us in if that was really something they did for the Ouija board. If drinking the absinthe was really part cut. of it, or or maybe they just felt like. Absinthe was kind of a mystical, witchy alcohol, and so they just kind of wanted to add an extra layer, which is quite possible, too. I bet there but, yeah. is, yeah. And someone's going to, like, make fun of us for not knowing. <laughs> for not knowing that they do, yeah, you are supposed to drink. Well, hey, I've never played with a Ouija board. although You never like have? No, I never played with a Ouija board. Did you? Mm, I don't think I did. My mom would not have allowed it. Really? <laughs> we should do it over uh, Google Hangout. <laughs> We're gonna Google Hang on a Ouija board. We can do it live. Maybe that'll be a, one of the web episodes we do on our break. <laughs> how will we know who's uh, who's where the demon is or the spirit Maybe, is? I mean, we'll have to ask it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Uh, so back at the, back at the Ouija board, um, Queenie kind of mentions that she seems super against this, basically. Right. And she tells a story about how her grandma used a Ouija board and bad spirit came out and burned the house down and half her grandma's face off. This seemed like a kind of. Intense story to just kind of tell offhandedly. Right. Well, Queenie tells us that these spirit boards have two purposes. Either contact or release. You can contact Mm -hmm. spirits and you can release them. Those are the only two things that it does. Well, in this case, it seems like it kind of does both. And in this case, it's, hello, Axeman. Yeah, exactly. Um, But the spirit that talks to them through the board, of course, we learn, is the Axeman. And... They kind of go on to research the Axeman, and Nan, through her powers of clairvoyance, I guess, is able to find a picture of the um, Covenant of 1919 and is able to tell that they were the ones that essentially killed the Axeman in Miss Robichaud's back in 1919. Right. Um, Queenie, of course, is still super against the whole plan, and so is Nan, um, but Zoe kind of. Gets on them, and now she's kind of the one you know remember here at the beginning that she was the one who was timid about everything and immediately gave up Madison and all of all of the other witches at the coven as soon as the investigative agents came, and now she's kind of the um uh, becoming the intense leader. I was going to ask what do you think it is that has changed her from then till now I, um, you know it's 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 interesting because. Usually, you can find a pivotal moment. It could. It probably started with the date rape of Madison, uh, and then the the murder of Kyle. I think that's where we started seeing a change in her, become more active or proactive about uh, changing things and helping people and figuring out solutions. Uh, and right now, the the biggest one on her mind is what happened to Madison and where she's at. So I, I think I would put it at that as I, it, it triggered something in her that those incidents triggered something in her where she's tried to take on a more initiative for herself, a responsibility for her actions and, and uh, maybe be own the responsibility of what she does instead of letting things just happen because she could saw how bad things can be in this world of witchcraft, I guess. What, what do you think it is uh, that changed her? Or why she changed? I agree. I think that I think those are good points too. A couple other po- um, scenes that I would point to that were kind of transformative points for her. I think one would definitely have to be the moment in which she goes to the hospital and finds out that it's not Kyle in there and ends up sexing that guy to death. It kind of seemed like it was she was at a point where she was deciding whether or not she was going to really be a true member of the coven and like stand with her fellow coven mates, or whether mm. she was going to push them away and. You know, it was too much for, her. and she kind of invested wholly in the covenant. Kind of seemed like at that point in time, right? They through have that, all bonded that. because of this zombie attack. So, I'm sorry, you cut out for a sec. What did you say? Oh, they ha- they have they have all bonded because of this zombie attack. That's for sure too, and especially maybe especially with her new powers kind of coming into um, fruition, that she's got new strength through those two. Right, she's gaining the confidence. Yeah. Yeah, but it is interesting that she's the one stepping up, and the other girls are, uh, uh-uh. uh. I'm not touching yeah. that. Goes up to Spalding's attic by herself. Um, of course, the smoking incense is a clue. Of course, that uh, Spalding was there very recently. That it was, you know, just put out a, a second ago. Um, she finds Madison in the chest. Spalding. Sneaks up behind her, dead Madison, of course. And Spaulding sneaks up, up behind her and grabs her. Um, I was concerned. I wasn't exactly sure where this was going, but Spaulding sure was a wuss on this because he got to for taken pretty fast. We find out. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think he's an aggressive guy. He's a cleaner upper, you know. He's mm-hmm. he's not a fighter. Well, she hits him over the head with one of his own porcelain dolls, and that's Rude. what knocks him out. Kind of, but kind of funny at the same time. Yeah, and then yeah. he wakes up to the Mean Girls group bullying him. And <laughs> they did bully him. Mm-hmm. This this whole scene was kind of disturbing and entertaining at the same time. Yeah. Um, one thing I <laughs> want to say about Spaulding though, that would be like, w- with that room of dolls, I think that room is terrifying for one thing. But I would love it if like he dies. At, he dies at the end with all the dolls like being brought to life. Or something oh my like that. God. Like, uh my my initial instinct is no way that's ridiculous. My second instinct is uh it's American horror story. It'll probably happen. <laughs> oh, fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. But um yeah, they're totally bullying Spalding. They have him tied up. They're torching him with like a a brand. Like a cow brand basically. It's a spatula. Oh, is it a spa- Oh, it's yeah. just a metal it's spatula. It's a spatula over the um the little uh, portable burner kind of thing. Right, the burner, yeah. Um and so a pretty clever way to interrogate him, I think Because he can't talk Just using his, you know, thoughts That Nan is going to read his thoughts But apparently she can only read the thoughts That he chooses to provide which Yeah, I think this think a trained uh, thinker I guess he's been around witches for a while So maybe that's the reason for it But he, I mean, he takes the credit for killing Madison And says that he killed he's, her for sex He's a necrophiliac in kind it, of a really gruesome way. I mean, it gets graphic when he's describing this too. It also, does get grossly graphic. This is our our one of our well, our I think our second uh uh experience in this season with um Dennis uh O'Hare speaking, even though we don't see him speak. <laughs> yeah. His only his only second like series of lines this episode. Um I think we can again surmise that he's doing this to protect Fiona. I was gonna and ask this- you that. Is that exactly why? That's what I think. I'm assuming, you know, you kind of figure at this point, he's already cut his tongue out to yeah. protect her. I mean, this isn't exactly a real yeah, tough um, situation. You know, he's not losing anything else by continuing to... He's given up everything. Well, not everything, but given up something very important for her already. So what's... Yeah what's lying a little bit more and taking this upon himself because he knows that they can't do anything he he says they can't do anything um but of course queenie teaches them a little bit differently by using her voodoo power to match smack the spatula on her own face and essentially burn a chunk of his face off until the that was that so tight him. and then she laughs too and yeah <laughs> oh Queenie, she's, she's intense she a is she dark. don't care She's got like a, a mean streak, you know. Yeah, but she I mean, came, I mean, she came from a tough situation, though. I think we realize so. Yeah. Uh, following this storyline along, of course, Zoe's going to head over to Misty's to try to br- get her to help bring um, Madison Madison back to life. Misty's gardening, which I thought this was a pretty hilarious scene where she's gardening. I love this. Uh, the she's watering. Myrtle's uh, this, so we this is we, how we find out basically how she revives um destroyed corpses is through using that good old Louisiana mud and burying them in it and watering it like a plant. So, kind of inter- cool nurse, nurse Myrtle or nurse Misty, I mean. And we have the little tuft of Myrtle's hair coming out of the grave, too. And the hand, hey girl, yeah, what's up, what's up Myrtle. <laughs> so we know that's coming but apparently not quite yet i gotta point out that missy's rocking some killer fits uh in this season with her hat and her like lacy red dress and those boots she's 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 quite the fashionista for living in the (laughs) off the land out there in the in the bayou I don't know if you saw this, but I posted this on your Facebook thing about. Of course, we found out this week that Stevie Nicks is going to be coming on the show. Woohoo! And that Ryan Murphy tweeted it, but I, I uh, underneath that I commented a music video of Stevie Nicks from like 1981, just so we could you can look at that and kind of compare her wardrobe to Misty's, Misty. and you can totally you can kind of totally see where not only the wardrobe but also kind of the bodily the inspiration body movements and stuff. Oh yeah. Where the inspiration comes yeah. kind of from, where the great. comes from. Lily Rabe's doing a fantastic job. I'm really liking her a lot. She's, I like she's her got too. a cool character. Also, she reminds me of. I think I maybe mentioned this in another episode, but she reminds me of the lead singer of this country band called the Band Perry. She looks exactly like her with the curly, wavy, uh, blonde hair and that kind of southern swag. I think you did mention that before. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, no, that's okay. What song do they sing? Wasn't there? They had. They have the a thing? few. Um, yeah. Right now, I think their big ones called "Done." Mm. I I don't know what that song. I I don't follow country that yeah. well closely, but I, I feel like I've heard one of one of their songs. You probably have. They do they sing the song If I Die Young. No, that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's probably their bigger one. Anyway. Um but yeah, Nurse Misty looking stylish as ever. as as this I, I would say this season is probably the most stylish season, um uh, wardrobe wise. Oh, no, Fashionist totally plays a role in this, which that's, that'd be an interesting thing to talk about. Remind me, bring Fashion up at the end, okay? Okay. Um, when we're done with the overview. But, okay, so Creepy Kyle sneaks up on her out in the bayou. Um, when he came ba- in, were you like, oh, yeah, you're on this show? Uh, no, I was more like, oh, yeah, you're on this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of mine, too. So he comes in. You're still here. Go home, Kyle. (laughs) uh, I know, God. And she bathes him. So once again, we have to see him bathing. Right. And And we we get our first plan in the background. Oh yeah, he's naked. Um, But of course, this upsets him because he has flashbacks to his mother molesting him. Yeah, he can't remember. Freaks out. But he can remember that. Yeah, he can remember that part. Well, I guess that's rooted pretty deep. That will and like she obviously did it since he came back too. So right, like, right, right. That's right. You're right. Uh, so he freaks out. He Hulk smashes everything in her house to pieces, including her Stevie Nicks radio, which is devastating. Yeah, you broke Stevie. Says, <laughs> I know. I was pissed at him too. That was a cool radio. Oh yeah, God. And of course, Zoe walks in and he like runs over to her and he's crying and she's and Misty's crying and. It's funny everyone's character storyline is moving along so quickly, and Mm. his is just stagnant. He needs to get uh, cognizant again real fast because I'm just getting sick of this like Frankenstein slash yeah or uh, no what's the giant what's the giant ape Um, King Kong. King Kong, yeah, he's kind of. I mean, obviously, he's not a giant, but like they kind of have him acting animalistically, obviously, right. or slash Hulk or whatever you you know whatever comparison you want to really use, but like just st- him stop being like some ridiculous. So beast why do you think stuff. it is that when Madison, I mean, I, we're not spoiling anything because everyone probably watched the episode, but why do you think when Madison comes back, she's like immediately like uh, give me a cigarette, and Kyle is taking forever to get any type of uh, semblance of his personality back. Uh, maybe it has to do with the fact that Kyle um was a bunch of different pieces sewn together. Mm-hmm. That could be it. So that could be one reason for it. The other theory is that maybe because Madison's a witch, uh, mm. Misty was a witch, and stuff like that, and it's of course different. Myrtle's a witch. That there's something about them that makes them revive faster, um, or are more okay with the whole being brought back to life than you know a commoner like Kyle. Right. But uh, they take everybody back to Miss Robichaux's to revive Madison, like you said. They chain up Kyle in Cordelia's greenhouse, where hopefully he will stay for the remainder of the show, <laughs> the season. Uh, and they bring Madison back to life. Miss Stee is not super excited about this at first, of course, because she says it's kind of too late and that her body's rotting. But doesn't seem to have too much trouble bringing her back. They kind of do a death Heimlich, where they're yeah, like, yeah, you Heimlich just had to push her tummy. Yeah, and she like barfs up blood and some bugs, which is pretty nasty. Uh, but then she's back, and she's asking for a cigarette. Yeah, I, I hope Madison... I mean, I her character was somewhat two-dimensional for the most part, uh, except for the end when she was bonding with um, uh, Fiona, Fiona, and that started making her real kind of cool or interesting and different, especially when we thought she could be the next Supreme, which is a curveball. But uh, I, I, as she's come back now, I really hope that she comes back. You know, even fiercer than she was before, or at least sassier, because that would be fantastic. Not that the show needs more sassy women, but you know, the more confident, stronger women this show has, the more fun and exciting it is. Oh yeah, I'm glad she's back. I liked her character still. Yeah, um, she was a different kind of personality, An right. interesting personality. To- To kind of throw into the mix. And of course, she's really going to complicate things for Fiona, it looks like, in upcoming episodes. So she's back, but for now they're going to hide her from Fiona. Um, Misty's running out of Mr. Obeshaw, by the way. She explains that she has a bad feeling about the house and that this coven is not what she's been looking for as far as kind of companionship. I had a question for you about this. Mm -hmm. What do you think she's referencing? Is it Madame Lalaurie, who is the dark kind of demon deck in the house? Is it the Axeman she's referring to, or is it Fiona she's referring to? Uh, that's. I think those are all possible options. I, I really can't tell you exactly which one it is because we don't know a ton about Missy besides that she has the power of resurgence. So I don't. I, I can't pinpoint exactly which one she would fear the most. I don't think it would be the Axeman, and I don't think it would be, um, I don't think it would be, uh, Lulari. I think it might more be Fiona, perhaps. What do you think? I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair assumption because I think, you know, Fiona is the, clearly the most powerful, and Fiona is responsible for the death of of a lot of people in there. Mm Mm-hmm. And she killed the people in there, whereas Lilari killed her people in another house. Exactly. And the Axeman only died there. He didn't kill anyone there. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think that would be fair. A fair bet. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. We have kind of a neat scene filmed from Madison's perspective where everything's kind of cloudy. And so this is kind of what it looks like when you're apparently just brought back to life. Um, She vaguely remembers dying. In particular, remembers Fiona's red dress, but she doesn't know that it's Fiona. She just remembers yes, that's a little, the color red. That's that's a little easy. Yeah. It would have been nicer, I think, if we could have gotten her to wake up and be like, yo, Fiona killed me. Yeah. Yo, Fiona cut me. And there's one... Okay, and then, she, of course, she ends this with a comment where there, uh, Nan asks her if she sees a light on the other side. And she says, there's nothing on the other side, just black. I was wondering if you had any thoughts about this, is this of course I' do. Talking? this is Ryan Murphy and his commentary I think on religion again I, I really I, I was, mean we get hit over the head about clearly how he doesn't like Christianity a uh, lot <laughs> religion yeah mm-hmm. and uh, maybe he just firmly believes you know from in science where you live you die and then that's it not saying that's right or wrong. I'm not judging on anyone's views on this, but it's it's, it's a very, as he usually has, it's a very dismissive view of religion. Mm-hmm. And that's what I yeah, thought. Yeah, no, I, not, yeah, whether, I don't d- agree or disagree with him here at all, but I do think that the, I was thinking the same thing when I heard that, that this, because it didn't, it seemed totally unnecessary to throw that in there. So I was thinking like, yeah, that's just Ryan Murphy wanting to throw. Exactly. That's what I at, thought. Trying to throw too. their thoughts in. Mm-hmm. Really? Do we have to have this? I mean we've already gotten a lot of it with the next door neighbors, so <laughs> mm-hmm. and an olive asylum. asylum. Yeah, an olive asylum. I, yeah. I think we've kind of spent your, your views on religion at this point. Yeah. But uh of course, at this point in time in a different room they hear Cordelia screaming. And um, she's locked herself in the room. Well, she didn't realize she was locking herself in the room with the axe man. But something about you know she takes some pills, and something about her power makes her able to see him. And I guess he's real. He's like in some sort of limbo right now. Um, Wait, so she sees him? I didn't. I didn't get that. She actually could well, see him, or sen- I thought she just a- sensed him. I thought there was one point where, well, maybe that's what I mean, is there's one point where it's like we're seeing him from her perspective, and it's not like she sees an actual, it's not like she sees him exactly, it's like she sees, it almost looks like heat vision or something like that, you know? Like, like the... Is, is it Predator that sees heat vision, or is it... Yeah, 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 exactly it is. And I, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, it's almost okay. like she sees heat vision, I think, at one point. We see, like, the axe coming at her in like, the heat vision. Right. But I think that's, I think that's like, what her sense is like. And I, earlier, Hence, I mean, she, she was able we... to evade him with the axe for so long. Because I was like, okay, he can't get a blind girl? Right. Well, it, it, we'll talk about this. Um, This comes up later, and when we go jump to the Fiona storyline more, but when she's... Talking to Fiona and Hank, she mentions that her power is almost like echolocation, kind of, where like things around her vibrate. So it kind of makes sense that she would see things like this. Right? Got it. Um, and you're right. Yeah. But he's chasing her around the room that she's locked in. Um, she's blind. He, he wants to be released. I Now, have you heard of a movie from 1967 called Wait Until Dark? No. This is a movie with Katherine Hepburn and a young Alan Arkin. In which Catherine Hepburn plays a recently blinded woman, who is pretty much terrorized by three criminals who show up at her house and are looking for heroin, which is they believe is in her possession within a um some sort of doll that she says so she somehow accidentally bought and put her in her house, and she's being terrorized. She's a blind woman, and so I thought that this was quite possibly an homage to that yeah, classic yeah. movie. Cool. Um, just you know, chasing the blind woman around. Um, but she does get chased around. Zoe and company hear her, but they can't get in because the door is locked. Um, the jazz music is coming from her room. So, once again, we have Mr. X-Man's jazz power of ubiquitous jazz music. (laughs) I love that power. But, uh, they gotta do some spell to release him. So, they run to the bookshelf, and Zoe's powers, it seems like, help her sense which book it is. Uh, flip to the right page immediately, and then... With the help of Ned and Queenie, Cast the spell that releases him from the house. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Gets rid of him, and he hits the streets. Uh, as as he hits the, as he hits the streets, he hears some. He sees a car roll by with some sweet subwoofers uh, bumping some hip hop, and then uh, ends up at a bar. But maybe we want to. Do you want to go to Fiona's storyline? Yeah, we'll, uh, okay. we'll go to Fiona from that. But yeah, he didn't but seem he's too free. Happy about that rap music coming. Yes, he's free. So, uh, forgive us now as we jump a little bit back in time to follow Fiona's story a little bit, which we'll call Plot B for the sake of argument. Um, Fiona is doing her – starts out this episode doing chemotherapy at the hospital for, of course, her cancer. Uh, now she has the ability at this point to listen to other patients' thoughts, so she can hear kind of the depressing thoughts of the other people getting chemotherapy. And I think we learn from her that this is not a power she used to have. Yeah, she's so surprised. Is this so? She even wonders herself: Is this a power from the medication? Um, any, I mean, do you think it's a power from the medication? Do you think it's a power she absorbed from someone else? Do you think it indicates that she's getting more power or something like that? You know, I, w- while watching it, I thought it was that she was gaining a power. Cause it seems like a lot of people in Robo shows is, uh, are, are gaining powers or growing their powers they do have. So mm-hmm. it wouldn't be out of the ordinary at this point. If even she gained a new power, even though I thought she had most of them anyway. Um, yeah. But it would be a cool twist if it turned out that she wasn't gaining uh, an, like a supernatural power, but if she was gaining like the power of empathy, which we've started to see that she's, you know, you know, helping the lady that had the stillborn, and now she's maybe projecting or thinking what she thinks uh, these other poor people with cancer um, are thinking in their minds and uh, feeling, feeling, having feelings for uh, other people. I mean, that'd be interesting. I doubt it will be that, but. <laughs> I like that theory, too. That's an interesting theory. Um, I, too, think that it's possible that she got a new power, um, especially because I think we learned that when you kill another witch, at one point you absorb their power, potentially, or at least that happens with Supremes, if you remember that um, Annalise of that two fiona or something along those that you like or no fiona said this i think to Madison that like as i die you get more powerful or something like that so maybe by killing Madison, she absorbed a little bit of her power but it doesn't do as much Mm. the other alternate theory that i want to pose that i don't think is necessarily correct at all but i just think is a fun thing to think about is if fiona let's keep in mind that when she had this empathetic moment last episode with the stillborn and she was on drugs And this episode here, she's on drugs when she's hearing these thoughts. What if that's all in her head? And there aren't actually new powers, that it's just she's in the process of going crazy slash super high. And so what she thinks her powers are really just like her hallucinating. (laughs) That would really piss me off, I think. But it's possible, (laughs) but it would piss me off. It's like at the end of the the season, they go, oh, it was all a dream. (laughs) No, it wasn't. Well, let's not hope that not happens, but <laughs> that doesn't yeah. happen. But I wanted to throw that out there for discussion anyway. Interesting, yeah. Um, she has an interesting quote here to the doctor about her um, – Her my daughter needs me like she never needed me before. I'm doing this for her. So that kind of hints that she's becoming more empathetic like you suggested. Yeah, she's, she's trying to make up. And then to, she also says something to the doctor about how – in her mind she talked about having one last great romance, but she really ultimately just wants to belong to somebody. Is that just indicating that she's lonely yeah lonely and that she's looking at her life and seeing the regrets she has and she doesn't have the love of uh, of her life that uh, um, who she'll, who 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 she belongs to which mm, is deal. what she wants the only man that really loved her uh cut his tongue out for her so they can't exactly hold a conversation she was not a good mother she's not a good mentor to any of these girls in fact she killed one um The only witch that has potentially equal power with her is her worst enemy, and she treats LaLaurie, who's tried to connect with her on multiple occasions, as a racist-made woman, which, let's be honest, LaLaurie kind of deserves, but she can't really connect with anybody. She is lonely, so it makes sense. I do also love, I want to talk about, I just like, this was just a side comment uh, that the doctor makes when she's like... (sighs) thinking or something like that, but he said, he like, we hear mentioned in the background that his, his, like, Oh, you'll find somebody. My mom met somebody on eHarmony and now they're on a cruise ship in Scandinavia or something like that. Yeah. Um, once again, we're mentioning a form of social media kind of here or the internet or something like that, which I think, I don't know if that has any real significance, but when I think of that, I think about what people consider to be like modern day witchcraft is, is technology really, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that's their intention or not. But that's where my mind goes. But I, th- I also thought that was just a funny line to throw in there. Back at the, of course, Miss Robichaux's, um, we see Cordelia for the first time as she's coming into the bedroom with Hank, um, where Fiona's kind of set up the room for. Her. Cordelia looks ridiculous uh, with her walking stick and her huge sunglasses, and looks like pretty much what you would like a stereotypical blind person. What you would draw if someone was like draw a blind person. Um, But of course you do feel kind of bad for her But she can immediately sense That there are roses in the room Instead of chrysanthemums What did you gain from this comment? So, wait, what does he say exactly? No, Cordelia says what that she, um, say? she says like, oh, there are roses in the room Why are oh, there yeah. roses in the room? Roses are for love understand- or whatever, right? But mm-hmm. like chrysanthemums Yeah, she said there's a symbol of strength But I was trying to figure this out And I know they mean something specific in New Orleans Um and they ha- they put them on the tomb so i thought they were meant for for they mean death to be honest chrysanthemums tomb? chrysanthemums yeah mm. interesting well let's look that up and we'll post what we find on yeah. facebook yeah i'm pretty sure it means death <laughs> but okay. uh which is weird because she says she wants to use it for them for strength yeah interesting kind so, of a weird dichotomy there yeah anyway what did you think same yeah, I had no idea. Um, other than it seems like she's like she has she works in that kind of greenhouse area, so clearly she has a connection with, you know, right herbology or something. I think of uh, what was the pre- Professor Sprout? From yeah, <laughs> that's oh, uh, love it herbology. Anyway. Um. <laughs> uh, anyway, Hank touches her, and um, she's able to see. Of course, again. What he did to the redhead. Why this is the scene that keeps her playing in her head when he see, apparently he's killed eight other <laughs> witches, we don't know. But um, every time he touches her now, she's able to see with absolute clarity visions of what people did in, or, or people's past deeds, especially it seems like they're the, the bad things they did in the past. So she kind of freaks out and tells Hank you'll be a cannibal for every single betrayal. He did to her. Now, it's not it's not clear to me how much she really realizes about um, what Hank has done. Where do you think she stands on I that? think she just thinks that he cheated on her. I don't mm-hmm. think he knows was he's a witch hunter. Thing. No, I don't think she knows that either. So I think that, I mean, especially considering Laveau sends him back uh, there. So uh, let's talk about that. Because um, she wants to keep, she's like, you know, you, you will be accountable for your betrayal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would betray Eolandas. Obviously, infidelity is what comes to mind immediately. So she she sends him out. Her and Fiona kind of have a conversation about how Cordelia's new power is the greatest gift to have for a witch, but also the hardest gift to have. Right? Kind of, kind of makes sense. Right? Um, and she touches Cordelia, and that's how Cordelia sees that Myrtle was burned. She, I think, she even calls her Aunt Myrtle. Oh, really? It, doesn't she or Auntie Myrtle? I mean it was I, kind of loud and like it happened quickly she may have said that oh I didn't maybe that, she, but... maybe maybe she didn't maybe I could be wrong, but I was thinking maybe you know we know that Fiona was kind of an absent mother, and the coven took care of her, so maybe it was Myrtle who kind of raised Cordelia was what I was potentially thinking, but could be, <laughs> but then again, Cordelia kind of defended Fiona to Myrtle's face, so maybe that's not the case, yeah, that's true um Hank comes to. From here, Hank comes to Madame Laveau's place and says "We have a problem. so this is when we find out that Hank works for Madame Laveau. Hank is I old. thought this was a total this was a total curveball I didn't see this yeah person. i didn't know um, i didn't i didn't either. I thought that maybe he i even potentially hypothesized he was a witch hunter, but I definitely didn't think he would be working for Madame Laveau mm-hmm. um, so I kind of liked like that that was such a curveball for us, yeah um so and finally he was a witch. That Kaylee was a witch. We find out that uh, neither, of them is re- nor, neither Hank nor Laveau is responsible for the acid in Cordelia's eyes, which means that there's another force out there we're unaware of. Who yes, is and it? so we find out that Kaylee was a witch, that the redhead girl was a witch, that he has been uh, essentially killing, systematically killing witches. I think he At says... Nine in three years. Nine in three years since he's been with Cordelia, which I think he's been embedded with Cordelia for six years, he says, right? I think that was what they said as far as length goes for full uh, amount of time. Although Madame Le- or uh, is not Marie Laveau is not particularly happy with him because obviously uh, he's not doing much as far as Fiona goes, and she slaughtered Bastion. and also La Laurie was brought back to life, and he didn't really do much about that. I also want to point out that he, yeah, he went to all that extent to go ahead and kill Kaylee, but. He he really didn't need to have sex with her before he killed her. <laughs> they make La Laveau points out at the end like you must really you, you've gotten soft and you really love Cordelia and he's like no I don't but we kind of get that feeling before we've discussed that he's really in love with Cordelia but he does I mean he could have just killed Kaylee immediately without having sex with her first so he clearly yeah wasn't Kaylee's feeling pretty that hot though so that might be why <laughs> and well yeah <laughs> he is just a really an assassin yeah his loyalties are questionable obviously yeah uh chrysanthemums definitely symbolize death in new orleans interesting uh so one more thing about this whole sequence when we're getting like um Laveau lambasting uh um hank angela bassett is killing it in this scene she is fantastic we haven't had her be you know ha- have an uh, an interactive scene with any character besides You know, when she's doing her voodoo uh, in the I think in a few episodes here now. So it was awesome to hear her get all pissed off and uh, go after uh, not not really go after um, Hank here, but really go after how pissed she is about these witches in this house that she cannot seem to uh, take down. And I wrote down what she said because it was so offensive, but it was so funny. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Which... Oh, I, I what I wrote down is you bring me their heads, all of them, and she says that more than once. And I was going to say, who does what character does that remind you of? Bring me their heads. You might have known it as off with their heads. Um, are you talking about? Are, you, are we going to Lewis Carroll here? That's right. I'm thinking the uh, the Queen of Hearts from Alice in Wonderland is right. what that reminded me of. Um, what I wrote down was when Marie Laveau says. When I plant a fat-ass cracker bitch, I expect her to stay planted, not come up again <laughs> like ragweed. Oh, yeah. I love she that She says sentence. cracker bitch. She says witch bitch, bitch. Yes, that was an excellent line. Yeah, you give me that, <laughs> those witch bitches. Like, oh my god. I'm kind of offended, but this is so funny. <laughs> oh, it was super funny. Uh, I love that. Um, anyway, so, great yeah, job, no. Angela Bassett. You're killing it. Great acting. Good scene. Uh, and, of course... Fiona's plotline ends when we find her back at the same bar that Cordelia got her eyes burned out at. So clearly she doesn't have too much worry about going back to the same place, which is a little bit suspicious. It is. Um, and who does she run into there? Oh, hey, Axeman. What's up? The, the Man. Well, let's note that her hair is falling out at this point. She pulls a little yeah. clump of her hair out, so she's probably feeling a little bit self-conscious. And the Axeman is kind of hitting on her. A little bit. So, do you think that x Man knows she's a witch? I I was going to ask you that because I don't know. I don't think so yet. I don't think so either. I think that he's maybe just looking to kill somebody after being trapped for so long. Right. And she looks like an easy target for some reason. Obviously, we know that's not the case. So, I'm not... Are you worried about Fiona at all? No. Here's my problem, and this is what I was going to get into later with... um, with all the characters And maybe one of my problems with the season so far It's not really a problem I mean, Don't get me wrong it's not ruining anything for me I love this season so much I know it's what you're going to say but go ahead That death doesn't even matter I don't care about anyone getting hurt Or dying because clearly It doesn't matter there's no stakes there at all or there Oh no I was going to say the exact same thing I absolutely agree that, that might be my biggest problem With the show so far is that the stakes right. are so low Because death means absolutely nothing is there a single character that has died that and has stayed, stayed dead? dead? Well, okay. So a couple of civilians. We had, of course, Zoe's boyfriend at first. And we had the doctor guy that Fiona sucks the life out of. Right. And we have Kyle's mom and um, the other frat dudes that were on the bus. But as far as the main characters go, not a single one has stayed dead. Right. So I'm not really invested in them as much as I had been, say, last season when I, I felt like I, well, I didn't feel it you know, I don't want to say, compare it to anything, but like and every time something happened to Judith or um or Sister Jude or um uh or what was um uh Paulson's uh character's name? Shoot. Oh um last season. Oh um, Lana. Lana. And every time Lana was going through anything, any like even even when um uh Shelley, was going through. Like, it was just, it was just awful because there was death at stake, you know? But here, even with, even with, you know, with uh, Cordelia, I'm not sorry, Cordelia. um, Zoe, Madison, God dang it. I'm, confusing all everyone's names right now um fiona fiona's mortality i'm not as you know okay you're losing your hair i'm sure there'll be some spell or some magic that will bring you back because well exactly it's like why would cancer kill her if not even like severe murder can kill anybody so anyways that's why i'm not as concerned if uh, of her death because i don't think it will really matter and maybe she'll die in the end end but even if she dies early on, it's a. It's Jessica Lang, so she's not going away. He's or she's uh, um, Ryan Murphy's muse. Yeah. So I mean, I that, that's just kind of that's kind of an issue. No, 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 though. no. no, no, no. I, I absolutely agree with that. I think that that's an excellent point, and I think that um, I have, there's a lot of things I've enjoyed about this season so far, but that would have to be um, among my uh, biggest problems with it. I think. Yeah, would have to be uh, their how fast and loose they'd played with death and how, um, I mean, of course it's interesting they're able to bring people back to life, but like you said, it totally lowers the stakes. So you're not worried, ever worried about a character. Right. I don't care dying. if they're going to die or not. Cause no, it's not like back. watching, it's not like watching the walking dead where you're really concerned that one of your favorite characters is going to be gone forever at any right. point in time. Exactly. Exactly. Which and is you... an intense fear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that, but, I mean, it's missing. Yeah, for sure. That's scary. And, of course, the other thing that I already mentioned at the beginning that I have a problem with is just the whole Kyle storyline needs – something needs to happen with that because it is dragging on for far too long. Um, Evan Peters, as we know, is more talented than this, so I feel like it's kind of a waste of his potential. Maybe it's just slow to develop, and I'll give them – I mean, we're – I think next week – what are we – this is six. Next week's our so halfway episode. We're breaking the halfway point yeah. next week, yeah. So hopefully from here on out he'll step it up character wise. He'll you know evolve a little quicker. Otherwise he's just kind I hope of so too. annoying. Um, I hope so too. Uh well anyway, so are you gonna um, give your ranking? Yeah, I was just about to do that. I was gonna say so based on that, um Hmm. I'll tell you what I was gonna give it, and then now after this conversation, I'm gonna knock it down a quarter of a point. I'm I'm gonna knock it down. I don't I didn't like it as the past two episodes. I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I liked it quite as much. I, maybe because of those two things. I'm not entirely sure. Of course, there were thing there were were parts of it that I really liked. I really liked the Ouija board. Scene. Love I thought it. that um, I thought the interrogation of Spaulding was good, and I also liked the all we had a lot of different neat mashes in this scene, which I thought was mm-hmm. cool, or mm-hmm. in this episode, which I thought were cool, and I also thought that um, Danny Houston did a great job with yeah the Axeman, but I'm gonna go ahead and say I give this a three and a half. I think okay, I was gonna give it a three point seven five, but I'm gonna give it a three and a half after this conversation. Again, I'm like it's it's things like I'm excited that Madison's back. I'm really pumped, but I don't. You know, after that whole sequence where she died and stuff, I was shocked and upset. And now that she's back, I'm I'm happy she's back, but it's just different. And now that death isn't even an issue that's on the table, it just lowers my, uh, um, I'm not, I'm not as, I don't have this affinity to these characters anymore. I'm not as compelled by them to care for them, I, even though I, I like them all. Agree. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm sure it's... No, no, it. I do agree with you. Oh, I wanted you to bring... I wanted to talk about fashion. Uh, oh, yeah. Real quick. I just want to talk about what... I mean, it seems so to be such a huge part of this season, such a big part of this witch world. Is there some sort of significance to that? Is there any sort of parallels to try to draw between like something mystical about the fashion industry, or does Ryan Murphy just think that it's cool to dress witches up in very stylish? I think it's just fun to make them hot. <laughs> I mean and I mean hot in the sense of like trendy, you know, on, on style and on point. And these aren't mm-hmm. like gross, dirty, stereotypical warts witches. These are sassy, smart, independent, um group of people who And I think we, and well. we've yeah Mm-hmm. And we've already mentioned that a couple of our characters resemble fashion icons. Mm-hmm. I think we said um, Anna Wintour for Fiona, potentially, and potentially as far as a kind of arrogant demeanor goes, too. And what's the one that Myrtle resembles? Grace Coddington. Yeah, mm-hmm. Anna Wintour is number two mm-hmm. at Vogue. Um, the other thing, uh, since we're speaking of Myrtle, uh, happy birthday to Frances Conroy, who turned 60 today. Wow. And uh, you had a fantastic uh, job today, and uh, you did a fantastic job waving through the dirt mound in this week's episode. Because C- I'm sure that was her that they buried. In the <laughs> yeah. she, hey, maybe she, maybe she got a paycheck for that. Good for her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> either way, we love you, Francis. And also, we didn't mention this, but happy belated birthday to my co-host here, Tyler Moss. Thank you, my friend. Thank you very much. It was a good week, but this, of course, is my, my favorite day of the week. This so. Really, this was your favorite after your birthday weekend? No, I, I really didn't. Uh, my, <laughs> girl, my wonderful girlfriend threw an awesome, excellent surprise party for me. So that's oh, nice. Fun. But but this is a close second. A close second. Stephanie, where was my invite? Huh? <laughs> a little bit of a drive for you. Yeah, Next time. it would have been. <laughs> Next time. Um. Uh, so a couple notes from what's yes. coming up in next episode. Of course, um, Cordelia touches Madison and sees what Fiona did. So that, that's kind of the tension we've been waiting for for a long time, that um, they all learn that Fiona, uh, you know, yep. slaughtered the next potential supreme. And of course, we see Queenie goes over to Madame Laveau's, which I think you and I predicted happening back when uh, Queenie first said that she was related to Titiba mm-hmm. in episode two. Right. Just like the other voodoo witches. Right. Right. Yep. So excited to talk about that. Yeah. Um, last oh. question I have for you is about the Axeman. Mm-hmm. Looking forward, so he's obviously looks like he's going to bang Fiona. What, I, what is his purpose in this? I mean, he comes from out of the blue, which sometimes happens with um, – actually, it happens often with <laughs> – American Horror Story but usually they serve a purpose um for certain things to happen to characters I'm curious what his like is he just an easy plot device that's thrown in there to make something happen we don't it, it doesn't happen in this episode like we don't like he doesn't make anything happen at all in this episode they they could have done this with a different method or a different device but because he's stuck around and they released him is it i mean the only thing i could think of is now they've released something into the world so now there's repercussions out and consequences outside of this house not just in their house where all the craziness has somewhat been contained i have two theories about this the first is that i think that they probably while researching doing a american horror story in new orleans they stumbled across the story of the axe man <laughs> and were like Holy hell! This guy is awesome. We definitely have to use him in some way. So I think that's how they stumbled across him in the first place. But I do think I do give Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk more credit than that. I do think yeah. that he is linger around for a reason. I think my guess is that he is linger around specifically to toy with the emotions of Fiona potentially, which is seems to be you know she is not vulnerable physically as far as her powers go, but where she is vulnerable is in her vanity mm-hmm. and in her loneliness. So that's where someone could really hit her hard or take advantage of her and damage her in one way or another. So my guess is that that's the um, device he's going to serve in the right. next episode. Cool. How about you? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that could be it. I, I didn't really know. I was kind of annoyed with him a little bit just because I didn't know. I don't know what his purpose is yet, but because he's stuck around, then... You know, if he had died at the end of this, then I'm like, okay, what was his? What was the point? But because he's sticking around, obviously there there is a purpose for him. So I'm just I'm I'm eager to see what it's going to be. And like you said, I it, I trust in Murphy and Falchuk. I, I know there's going to be something cool and a reason. So. Mm-hmm. Me too. Well, with that, I mean, we've gone pretty long this episode. We had a lot to talk about, clearly. Once again, so we apologize for that, folks. But thanks for joining us. It's always a lot of fun. As always, we uh, implore you to go check us out on iTunes and leave us ratings, reviews, and critiques and comments and stuff. We really appreciate that. And, of course, we appreciate your questions and comments uh, at our email address, which is thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. And on our Facebook page at facebook.com/slash this American Horror Story Podcast. For uh, Wednesday, December 13th, this is your November, host, weirdo. Or, what did I say? December. December? Damn. Oh, I'm, I'm jumping ahead in time already. For Wednesday, December 13th, this is. Uh, November. These are. November 13th, this, these are your hosts. Are you drunk? Chris Husted and Tyler Moss. Where can people find more of your work this week, Chris? I'm on my Twitter, at Chris Husted. I also like to give a shout out real quick to my mother, who hooked me up with her Comcast password so I can watch this live streaming. Thank you, Lois. Woo woo! Thank you very much, Chris's mom. We really appreciate it. Tyler, where can people find you? People can find me at TJ Moss on Twitter. So check me out there. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody, and uh, have a fun week. Excited to talk to you next week, and happy Huntings.